everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Do you think the church does a good job cheering on believers who aren't married? Do we support singles? Why or why not? Think about it. Churches 10 years ago had singles ministries, but today, Watermark has The Porch and Gather. The emphasis or heart behind those names instead of singles ministry is on what God could do in and through singles as opposed to uniquely placing an emphasis on or calling out singleness itself. In today's Devo, Lance, who leads Merge, Watermark's premarital ministry, helps us see how Paul takes time to remind the Corinthians that each person has their own gift from God and we should not desire someone else's gift, but instead find contentment and satisfaction in the Lord. But there's this reality that all of us do, are, or will struggle to find contentment in the Lord at one point in our lives or another. And I think for singles in the church, this struggle to be content is probably pretty frequent. As I talk to discontent single friends, both in Dallas and really all over the country, I've noticed a pattern. It seems like older and married believers are always asking the singles if they're dating or if they're planning to take anyone out on a date. And then the single person feels more and more disappointed. Thoughts like, God's holding out on me, or I don't know what's wrong with me, plan, repeat. But meanwhile, those older believers have experienced something good and likely want others to have a taste of what they've experienced. They're really well-meaning. They could be wrestling with their own discontentment, maybe wanting grandkids they don't yet have, or... Maybe they don't understand the difference between what was culturally acceptable in the dating world when they were younger, what's culturally normal now, or what the biblical precedent is for singleness. We don't talk about it much. And again, maybe they've experienced something good and they want their single friends, who they care about, to have a taste of what they've experienced. Whether you're married or single, the target needs to be that regardless of our relationship status, the Lord is our ultimate source of satisfaction. That's where we want to point each other. Hebrews 12.1, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Personally, older women have assured me God will bring me a husband, but they can't see the future. They talk probably unintentionally as if I'm guaranteed marriage and as if it's an expectation for single believers in the church. Never once have I had an older married adult in the church cheer me on through the lens of my singleness specifically as I seek to leverage the free time my singleness allows by stewarding my social media accounts to share the gospel and equip my peers to know and understand God's word. I've heard friends whose believing parents tell them why they think they're still single and what they need to change about themselves in order to change their relationship status. Typically, These causes for change are superficial, not spiritual, and their parents don't know Jesus. But this, I mean, it's actually the exact opposite of Paul's attitude in 1 Corinthians 7. Nevertheless, though, the pressure to be married that comes from the church can be ruthless. I mean, at times, if I'm honest, I've found myself confused. While we know God instituted marriage in Genesis 2 and that it's good, in 1 Corinthians 7, we read verses like this one. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, or Paul says, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. That's verse 8. And in verses 25 and 26, we see him say, Now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I think it is best to remain as you are. That's the NLT. I read those in the New Living Translation because I think the main idea is pretty clear. Paul is team singleness. He's cheering on the singles and actually encouraging unmarried believers to stay single. 
but he's not anti-marriage. I mean, that was God's design for mankind to begin with. But he does go on to explain in verse 35 that marriage, it can be a distraction when it comes to doing the work of ministry. All throughout this chapter, we see the phrase, it is good to stay as you are, repeated. If you're married, stay married. Invest in that relationship. If you're single, stay single. Steward your singleness well. Now, obviously, Paul isn't saying believers should never get married. So what does this mean for us? When it comes to singleness, we have an opportunity to grow our appreciation for God's sovereignty. Proverbs 19.21 says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Ultimately, if God wanted me, Emma, to be married right now, I would be. His purposes prevail, and regardless of your marital status, God has set you on mission and has prepared good works for us to walk in, as Ephesians 2.10 says. While trusting that God's way isn't always easy, whether you're a parent or you're single, we can trust that God's purposes will prevail over our expectations, shattered dreams, and present hopes. That doesn't mean we won't wrestle with disappointment or always say the right thing, but it does give us hope. God has given each of us a purpose to know Him and make Him known. Some of us get to walk in that purpose with a spouse, others don't. But that's the beauty of the church. Nobody actually has to do life alone. Even if you're single, you're not alone. Oftentimes, the church gets this wrong. We make marriage the goal, but really, faithfulness is the goal. Jonathan Pakluda, who used to be on staff here at Watermark, posted this on Valentine's Day. He said, I have often heard the church handle this day with everything from dismissive humor to great empathy. Admittedly, I've been a part of both, he says. If there is sadness for anyone who is single, I wonder what role the church has played in that. We have elevated marriage at the expense of devaluing singleness. As Christians, obviously the one we follow was single when he lived on earth. For 33 years, he never experienced sexual intimacy. While we learned some important lessons through marriage, singleness teaches us about the supremacy of Jesus. Paul describes his singleness as a gift. It allowed him the freedom to pursue his first love of Jesus. And before we roll our eyes at Paul, we should know that he learned to value singleness from Jesus. In Matthew 19, 12, Jesus says, There are some who must be celibate or single, for the sake of the kingdom, but then there are others who choose to. While not everyone can, those who can should. It seems that message is not often taught today, he concludes. The church can get this wrong. As a single woman, I can forget Paul's perspective. And I know my married friends can forget Paul's perspective as well and instead replace it with pressure, unintentionally. Singles forget Paul's perspective and married couples can replace it with pressure. Maybe you need to call a single friend and ask for their forgiveness. Or maybe, singles, you need to call a married friend and be honest. Let them know you're struggling with contentment. My guess is they'd ask you different questions if you just let them in. As was the case with the Corinthians, correction might be needed. But whenever correction is needed, God's grace always makes a way for redemption. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.